Amen. Praise God. In 1968, a man by the name of Stephen, or John Stephen Akwari was a runner from Tanzania, and the Olympic Games were being held in Mexico City that year. This year, we're going to have Olympic Games, the 2016. It made me think of this story. And as they took off to run the marathon, uh, about the 19th kilometer, and people were jockeying for position and trying to get just the right spot, there was an entanglement, they got tangled up, and uh, John Stephen Akwari fell. And as he was falling, he dislocated his knee and uh, landed on his shoulder, was really banged up pretty bad. Nobody expected him to, to continue. He was slow getting up, but he got up and, and he began to walk and, and uh, run the best that he could. And he finished that race. Um, the winner came in at two hours and something. Well. All, everybody had almost gone. There was just a small crowd left. All the news media had already left, and there was word came out that there was one runner coming in. And so they got a small crew and went down there, and here came John Stephen, and uh, the best that he could, and he came and he crossed that finish line. And they, so as they came around him, they said, what, why did you keep, continue to run? Why did you run this? You know, you're so hurt. He says, my country didn't send me 5,000 miles to start a race. They sent me 5,000 miles to finish a race. Now, with him saying that, what was, he, what was he really evidencing? What characteristic in his life was he uh, really letting everybody see that um, he was, that was important to him, I guess, and important to his country? Perseverance. What else? Ethical strength. Amen. Complete the job. Honor. How about faithfulness? Perseverance, endurance, honor, faithfulness. You think those are important characteristics? How, shall, how should those things work into our life? I mean, we're, we're to put forth the, the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, and joy, peace, patience, <laughs> kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. We're to let those things develop and come out of our life. What about endurance? Is there anything going on in your life or has gone on in your life that maybe would give you that uh, opportunity to show some endurance? How'd you do in that? Have you ever felt like this, you know, we're called to run this race, run a race course. Paul said in Hebrews, he said, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so in easily entangles us, and let us run with perseverance the race course marked out for us. Each one of us has been given a race to run. It's our assignment. It's our opportunity to fulfill that and bring honor to the Lord and uh, to show our faithfulness and to do our part. And you know, there's always things in life that, cause you, that will trip you up. Anybody ever been tripped up in life? Felt like you had a dislocation somewhere, a scuffed up somewhere else and hurting really bad and it's easier just to, to step aside and quit than it is to, to keep going. The hardest thing is to keep going, right? The easiest thing is to just stop and, and, and sit on the side and, and everybody would know that, you know, I mean, that's a good reason to do that. Nobody would think any different. Except deep down in our heart, we want to run with perseverance and we want to run with faithfulness. 
Faithfulness is really important. It's something that God looks at. And I want you to open your Bibles to Revelation, the book of Revelation chapter 3. And I want to talk about a group of people here that showed the same characteristics that John Stephen Akwari did and something that's promised to them. Sometimes we don't feel like we win the race, but uh, we finish the race. And you know, God didn't ever really tell us that, I mean, when we finish, we win. I mean, we, we do win in a sense. We might, it might be on down the road for a little ways. There might be some other people passing us up. But he calls us to be faithful. That's the main thing. And uh, that's when we win. We win every time you take a step, you win. You know, and when you put, take that next stride, you're winning. And it's about winning. It's about each step. It's about continuing. It's about going on, not stopping. In Revelation chapter 3, beginning with verse 7, it begins to talk about this church by the name of the, the Philadelphia church. Now, there was, a, there was a real Philadelphia church in those days in Asia Minor. And John was writing to them. But more than that, there's a bigger scope here. It wasn't just to that physical church. It was really to the church, the body of Christ. In the book of Revelation, we see seven churches, and they evidence to us seven specific attitudes that people can have. And depending upon your attitude in serving the Lord will depend on where you fall in one of those seven churches. And where you fall in one of those seven churches determines your reward or your lack thereof. And this church, the Philadelphia church, was one of only two that the Lord didn't find anything wrong with. The Smyrna church is the other one, and that represents uh, believers who have been overcomers and they've been faithful to the Lord, but they've died uh, along the way. I mean, just because Jesus didn't come back. The rapture didn't happen. This church, the Philadelphia church, represents a group of believers who are faithful to everything that God's called them to do. They're serving Him. They're running the race. And they are the ones that are alive and remain when Jesus comes back. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 16, he says, the Bible says, and Paul's telling the Thessalonians about the, a process, an exit from this world. And he says, for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. The Smyrna church Amen. shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Talking about getting out of here, rapture. You know, there's going to be, there's already been a, a few exits from here already. When Jesus rose from the dead, there was, it says that uh, many rose and, they, and many people uh, welcomed their loved ones back. And in fact, Paul talks about Christ and the first fruits and then we which are, are, are remaining. So there's already been some taken out. People don't, uh, and so he's going to get us out of here. There's also going to be some that come up out of great tribulation. So there's a process of removing us. I want to go as soon as possible. Amen. When just the winds of, of the seven-year tribulation, that 70th week of Daniel that was prophesied, uh, when that's just, when it just starts to go, I want to get out of here. Amen. You say, are you afraid? No, I'm not afraid. I just, I'm going to be here for it. And uh, there's a promise that we don't have to be. So if there's a promise that we don't have to be here, Amen. who wants to stay? Now, I've heard people that want to go into this thing. They, they express it as, the, as uh, like a first responder. They say, you know, when everybody's running from the fire, you know, there's some that run into the fire. 
Well, according to your faith, so be it. That's what the Bible says. <laughs> I'm out of here. In fact, I just want to do some rapture exercises, you know. <laughs> but Revelation chapter 3, verse 7, we, we see this Philadelphia church, and John's writing here, and he says, uh, and to the angel, or, uh, and Jesus is speaking and dictating this, and to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, these things saith he that is holy. Identifying who's doing the speaking here, which it is Jesus, the Messiah, the, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Uh, saith he that is holy, he that is true, he that hath the key of David, he that openeth and no man shutteth, he, and shuts and no man can open. I know thy works. Behold, I have set before thee an open door. You ought to underline that in your Bible. Or you can push a button on your smartphone and underline it. I place before thee an open door, and no man can shut it. For thou hast a little strength, and hast kept my word, and hast not denied my name. Now look at verse 10. Because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation or trial, which shall come upon the world, the whole earth, to try them that dwell upon the earth. Does that sound like a promise to you? I'm looking for an open door. I'm really not looking for a hole in the ground. I'm looking for a hole in the sky. <laughs> Amen? Robert McGee and I were having a discussion one day about burial and different things, and he said, I want him to get a, a big old 36-inch PVC pipe, bury it straight down in the ground, so that when I come out, I look like a cruise missile going up. Hey, that's pretty good. I like that. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> These people that in Revelation 3 that are watching and waiting and longing the, the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ, you know, he says, you've, ha you've got a little strength, but you have not denied my name. And he says, and then he gives them a promise. You know, in Proverbs chapter 24, in verse 16, it says, For a righteous man may fall seven times and rise again, but the wicked shall fall by calamity. What defines... A, a person is not how many times they fall, but it's how you rise again, how you get up from that and you continue to go. John Stephen Akwari, what defined that man? And you can Google him, you can look wherever, and you'll find his name. I don't know who else ran in that race. I can find out the winner by looking, but everybody remembers John Stephen Akwari because it's how he got up and finished the race. Let me tell you, people... There's going to be trials, there's going to be tribulations, there's going to be situations and circumstances that will trip us up. But you know what? When we get up, shake ourselves off and say, you know what? I'm going to finish this race. Amen. Paul said, I've fought a good fight. I've finished my course. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. And not to me only, but to all those who are longing and loving his appearing. Is anybody else in here today longing and loving the appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ? I don't know about you, but I've got an exit strategy. I've got an exit strategy, and that's a way out, a way out. Some that uh, teach post-tribulation, in other words, they think it, it, there's nobody, everybody goes through the tribulation, and, and you don't get out of here until the last. You know, they, they say that's a cowardly mentality to be looking for a way out. I'm sorry, I, I, I want a way out. I, I want to be there for the marriage supper of the Lamb. You know, I, I want to be there as soon as I can get there. I'll help set up the table. 
I'll sweep the golden floor. You know, I sweep the golden floor at home. Okay, all right. Some of, some of you get that later. I want to get there. I don't want to hang around. I mean, I love y'all, but I want y'all to go too. I, I, you know, let's have a big celebration. Can you imagine? I mean, and, and just the celebration that we're going to have is it's, it's, it's awesome. The Philadelphia church is a picture of the bride of Christ, the faithful bride of Christ, and the overcomers. And we call, maybe the bride, we'll call them overcomers, okay? Because they overcame these oppositions, the opposition that came in their life. They didn't stay down when they were tripped up. Satan will come and trip you up. Jesus said the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Have it to the full. He said, I've come that you have an abundant life. Hallelujah. Yeah. When the devil comes to steal from you and trip you up, and he just says, just stay down there. Just stay down. It's like the old Rocky movie where he just looks up and he just gets up one more time. And that's how you win. You just get up one more time, then you're knocked down, and you win. That's it. Endurance, perseverance, faithfulness. God set before them uh, an open door of opportunity. Praise God. You know, every day God's putting before us open doors of opportunities whether, to see whether we're faithful and we enter into that opportunity or not. I think that the degree of our faithfulness every day is going to really prepare us for that open door that he, he places there at the beginning of that tribulation time. Listen to me. See, if you're faithful over a few things, I'll make you rule over many things. Amen. If we're faithful now to run the race and, and to uh, the, the assignment that he's given to us, when he opens these doors of opportunities that we step into them, you know, he honors that. You know, if he opens it, then uh, we must work. If he shuts it, then we must wait. Now, some of you, you think that the, that four-letter word, work, is the, is the challenge. But I want to tell you something. I've found more challenges in waiting than I have in working. Maybe I've got a little touch, or as the little lady said, a little touch of ADD. I don't know, but I'd rather be working than waiting. I, I get antsy when I'm waiting. You know what I'm saying? I, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to do something. Sometimes, you know, God always answers prayer. Sometimes he answers yes. Sometimes he answers no. A lot of times he says, wait. Wait a while. And so if he opens the door, then we got to work. If he closes the door, then we need to wait. He says, he's the one that what he opens, no man can shut. What he closes, no man can open. You know what? I think sometimes the devil just wears us out by trying to get us confused and deceived over here, trying to open doors that God shut. We need to know the difference. And we'll get all wore out trying to do that where God said, no, I'm moved on now. And now we need to go and work and, and see what door he's opened for us. Moving on, moving on. You know, but more than anything, we've got to be faithful to him and see the opportunities, not the obstacles. John Stephen Akwari didn't see the obstacle and where he fell. He kept looking toward the prize. Paul said, I press on. Or in East Texas, they say, I press on. <laughs> toward the mark for the prize of the high calling. 
Paul said, I strain with everything that is in me. I'm straining as hard as I can toward the mark for the prize of the high calling. I can see that ahead. I used to do some long distance running, about 100 yards. <laughs> no, actually, it was a few miles. And, and you know, when you get, there's a point when you're just like, oh, man. And your, your lungs are burning. See if I can remember back that far. But uh, lungs are burning and, every, and your legs are burning. Everything's just like, oh, and all you want to do is like just stop for a second and just catch your breath. But you know that you just got to keep moving on, you know, and, and that there's a pull to you to, to cross that line. And so somewhere in there, because you, you can't see it yet, you've got to get a picture of that finish line. Because you can't see it in the natural, but you've got to see it in your mind so that you can press on and you can get past that hump. How many of you have ever done some long running, several miles involved, where it's like there's that no man's land, there's that part of where it's like you just want to forget it, you know? Uh, I'm not quite in shape. I'll work a little harder and try this again some other time. And that's all you ever get is, you know, right to there. But when you push over, it seems, and you catch a second, your second wind, they call it, and and you kind of come on to where you can begin to see the finish line. Then something changes in you when you can see, when you can really see the finish line. Because before you had to accept it by faith, you had to draw that picture inside of you to see that finish line. But when you can really see it, then there's something that hits you and energizes you and you forget about what's hurting and what's burning and, and the lack of oxygen that you got. And you push on with everything you got to cross that line. I want to tell you something, people. I'm to the point, I think, in our spiritual life that I can see it. it. There was a time when I had to just see it in my mind, but I can see it. That we're that close. Something's just rising up in me, a second wind that wants to press on with everything that's within us. People, it's not a time to be sitting on the sidelines. It's a time to get in the race. It's time to dust off those old cleats, put them on your feet, and run. Get your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel and go forward. Time to move. Hallelujah. So, you know, we live in days of doubt and doom and depravity and really utter discouragement. That's where we're living today. Satan thinks he's got it. He thinks he's won. He thinks he's on top. He thinks he's got it in control. He sees things moving the way he wants them to move. But, you know, there's some just little, there's this over here, some that have a little strength and have not denied his name and says, I'm going to get up, I'm going to shake myself off, and I'm going to move on toward the finish line. I'm going to press with everything that I've got. I'm going to be faithful over what he's given me. I want to tell you something. Sometimes it's, you, it, all that there is is like just being able to get out of the house and get to church on Sunday morning. How many of you know what I'm talking about? The hardest day to move. I mean, if that's it, if that's where you are, just, just to be faithful, to, to make it to the house of God, then be faithful in that until you can get stronger. Get stronger until you can do something else. And pretty soon you'll be going out with Tim and, and seeing opportunities and God opening doors to share the gospel and people like receiving it right there. Not here, but right there. Boy, you talk about... Lighting your fire. If that don't light your fire, your wood's wet. <laughs> I mean, that ought to get you. See, but we need to prepare ourselves because you've got to be faithful. We've got to be faithful in, in serving him. And, and I'm telling you, it starts by coming through those doors and coming into the, the presence of God and just entering his gates with thanksgiving and 
entering his courts with praise and, and say, here I am. Here I am, Lord. I want to worship you. Everything that I could do was just to make it here. But I made it. When John Stephen Aquari crossed that line, he collapsed. Medics came around him. You know, his dislocated knee that he had been running on was really bothering him then. Hey, yeah. And his shoulder was, you know, all messed up. And he collapsed, but he said, I made it. I didn't just start this thing. I made it. I finished it. I finished it. Wow. Paul said that. He'd had some rough times, shipwrecked, beaten, stoned, <laughs> chased out of town several times. You know, snake bit, yeah. You know, and I think that he said, I've finished my course. It's like, <sighs> you say, well, pastor, is that what the spiritual life, the Christian life's all about? It's what an overcomer's life's all about. Says, well, I don't know if I like it. I do. I do. You want some boring life sitting in the stands just getting bored? That's why I'm, all the crowd had left. They were bored. Boy, John Stephen Aquara, he said, I don't care if anybody's out there watching me. My country's watching me. Those that sent me are watching Amen. me. Paul talks about a great cloud of witnesses. They're up in heaven. Amen. Everybody down here might just not care what you're doing. They might think that you're crazy or whatever. <laughs> but I want to tell you something. There's people in, in heaven that's shot you on. Mama up there saying, come on. I didn't raise no slacker. Come on now. Don't you be lazy. Grandma up there, come on now. <laughs> they're, they're hollering at us. They're, they're cheering us on. You can do it. You can do it. Oh, we live in these days of economic difficulty and moral decay and, and marital dysfunction and spiritual decline. We got all kinds of excuses. You know, we could step into heaven and, and say, yeah, but, and, and when everybody's talking and discussing, we could say, well, Paul, you didn't live in days like I did. You know, I, we could step back there, and I bet you that they were having spiritual decline then, and, yeah. you know, people were just uh, doing what they wanted to do. We can read, because human nature is human nature. Yeah. It's been around since day one. That's why the, the Word of God is quick and powerful it's alive why because it's dealing with human nature doesn't matter what century that you're set into it's still dealing with old human nature our situation is that it's just manifest in our in our country in our economy and in, in our climate throughout every everywhere in, in this country that it's manifest more and we see it it's it's a reality that we have to deal with every day be tolerant of this and be tolerant of that I want to tell you something we need to be faithful to God he sent us out to, to bind and to loose and to run this race with perseverance. It's marked out for us. You know, many people are living in spiritual defeat and just have given up. But God's saying, come on. Come on, you can do it. You can make it. You can make it. I remember when uh, the boys were playing Pop Warner football, Little League football, and there was this one game when it was just pouring down rain. Everybody took off running for their cars, you know. Well, you're already wet. <laughs> I was soaked. I mean, you make it to the car, then you sit in the car, and you, you're cold because you're, you're soaking wet. You're going to be wet in the car? So I said, I'm going to be wet in the car. I'm going to be wet right here. So I just got out of the stands and walked right down to the, to the sidelines. And our team, and I started hollering as loud as I could holler. 
They probably couldn't hear me. But I said, come on, let's do this thing, man. And just shouted them all the way down to the end zone. And when they came out just muddy and everything, hey, they were excited about that. You get a bunch of boys in, in mud. and <laughs> They like it. You know, I think we ought to just come on out of the, the, the bleachers. Come on out of the stands and get down where it's happening. You want to be excited about it. Maybe you're not in the game, but you can get down there and encourage somebody to go on. You know, encourage somebody. Be faithful to where you are and who, who God's called you to be. Well, let's look at these, this group of people. He says, I know thy works, there in verse 8. Behold, I have set before you an open door. The, the word there, open door, in the Greek, it means a portal or entrance, an opening or a closure. It's an exit, in a sense. He said, I put before you an exit. Now, it opens and it closes. Opens and it closes. Hmm. How would you like to get to that open door right as it closes and it shuts? What do you think the people in Noah's day felt like when he'd been telling them all this time what was going to happen? He'd been telling them, you know, God's judgment's coming. He'd been telling them, oh, you crazy, man. You know, and that's never going to happen. Rain, what's rain? You know, <laughs> what's that? You know, you crazy, man. And will you believe such a weird thing like that? Never rained. At that time, the firmament always brought the moisture and everything that was needed. You know, people think you're crazy talking about heaven. Heaven? Are you serious? How do you think those people felt when that door was closing? Maybe they were running toward it. And here, click. And then they started jumping and pounding on the side of that, wanting in when the floods came. Hmm. There's coming another time when this portal, this doorway, this exit way, it's an entrance, but it's also it's an exit out of something, into something. And people, there'll be a close, and no man can open it, no man can close it. There might be some that you'd like to close the door on, but God's in control of that, but when it shuts, it closes. And it's based upon the faithfulness of those that are ready, that are there. I want to tell you something, people. There's, a, there's coming an open door. And we're making a decision to get in line right now. You're getting your ticket now. Are you, is that making sense to you? You can reserve your seat now. And it's bought with faithfulness and perseverance. It's sustained with faithfulness and perseverance. Hallelujah. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, uh, Paul talks about some things about opening and stuff. He says, no temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man, but God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able or able to bear. But with the temptation will also make a way of escape, an exit, a portal, an opening, that you may be able to bear it. That happens in our daily life. He gives us insight. He'll give us wisdom. That's why we need to be praying. That's why we need to be being able to hear him so that when the difficult times come, that there is a way that he will make for us where we can bear it, that we can make it through this thing. Sometimes you think, and people will say, how in the world did, did you make it through that? How did you have such peace during that time when everything was falling apart, when that tragic thing happened, when that trial hit you? How did you make it through that, man? I found the secret place of the Most High <laughs> under the shadow of the, oh, y'all aren't hearing this this morning. I wish I had somebody in here that wanted to hear this message this morning. There's a way. There's an open door. And even now, it's a place that we can step into that, that open place, that secret place, that 
I'm in Christ, and he's in me. Under the shadow of the Almighty, he protects me. He's a fortress that I can run to in my difficult times. Boy, if you can't appreciate that, you've never gone through a trial, and you never felt that him wrapping himself around you, opening that way for you that, that says, you know, when everything's falling apart on the outside, everything's staying together on the inside. I don't know how it works, but it does. Everything can fall apart on the outside, but it ain't falling apart here. You can be down, but you don't have to be defeated. The devil wants to get you so far down that he just steps over there on your neck and just holds you down, and he laughs. Or better than that, he just says, boo, and we just give up. When I was a kid, we, you know, you, you know how that is with parents, different ones, you know, try to scare kids. I know y'all aren't like that. <laughs> you know, shout boo and watch them jump, you know. So, you know, then the kids pick that up and then they're trying to scare you. So I, I, I got in, I was going to be boo. So I did that to my mom one time. She come around the corner, I said, boo. And she said, boo yourself. You look more like a booger than I do. No. <laughs> said, what? What you talking about? <laughs> Man, I could never get anything on her. You know? So when, when the devil just jumps on you and says, boo, you say, I'll boo yourself and just walk right to him and slap the fat off his face. <laughs> Amen. Get out of here, devil. I don't have no time to listen to you. Amen. Amen. You look more like a booger than I do. <laughs> uh, is it the booger man or the boogeyman? <laughs> oh, we better move on. For thou hast a little strength, he says, and hast kept my word and hast not denied my name. A little strength? Well, first of all, that's a commendation to the Philadelphia church because no other church would even say that they even had any strength. So at least they had a little strength. I don't know about you, but there's many times in my spiritual life that I just feel like, man, I feel like I just barely have enough strength to maybe just take a step forward. I'm sure that John, Stephen Akwari, there was times with a dislocated knee and all scuffed up and shoulder hurting it. It's just like one more step. I mean, they'd all, it, they turned out the lights. The party was over. The sun was setting. It was dark time. Everybody gone home. And he said, I'm going to take one more step. I got a little strength. I got, I got a, little more, a little more in me. And his run might have turned into a limp. But he says, I'm another step. One more step. One more step. One more step. I'm going to make it across that thing. People, there's times in your spiritual life that it is everything that you can do. One more step. One more step. Hallelujah. This word, little, it's used to define uh, number, meanings of, of number or quantity or abundance or wealth. And so it's saying, you know, I know you have just a little in your number. You know, the, the bride, compared to the, the body of believers... Uh, you know, the body of Christ really is a big, there's a lot of us. Thank God for it. That's exciting. The sad thing is, is that the majority of Christians really aren't living for the Lord. They're not sold out. They're really living for themselves. I mean, most people, even when they give, they're just giving us to get something. They're not real givers. A real giver gives because they've, they've searched it in their heart and in their spirit to, to give to worship the Lord. That's what Paul said. He said, you know, you check it out in your heart. You search out in your heart and you determine what you're going to do. You know, but people live them for themselves. Very seldom. So really those that are, are in this company, of this bridal company, they're like the rib crowd. You see, you know, when, when uh, 
God put a cause of sleep to come upon Adam, the body of Christ. When he caused the sleep to come upon Adam, and he went in and he didn't take out a big portion. He went in and, and the part closest to his heart, he removed that rib and he builded, it says in the King James, builded him a wife. I want to tell you something. God has reached in through the body of believers and that, that is closest to him. He's building himself a bride. Those that love him that says, hey, I'm not living for myself. I'm living for you. I remember I read a story about a woman that she was in a horrible marriage and the husband was just, just horrible to her and, and he insisted that his breakfast be just right and be on time and insisted that his clothes be washed and ironed a particular way and, you know, uh, ironing the handkerchiefs, ironing the boxer shorts, everything just, just a certain way. And it was really a, it was a horrible condition, but she was faithful in that marriage and, and he died uh, after so many years he died and later on she married again and and this was this was real love this guy loved her and he never demanded anything from her he loved her and he wanted to do something for her and one day she just realized that she was up early fixing his breakfast fixing it just just right she was washing his clothes and doing them just right and she thought I don't have to do this he's not requiring me to do this he's not belittling me if I don't do this but I'm doing it because I, I want to do it. Because I love him. You know what, people? There's a time in your Christian life when it's not just doing something for the sake of having to do it. But when you get to do it, when you love him so much that you want to do that, Amen. that you want to serve him, you want to worship him, you can't wait till you can be in his presence, that that's all you think about day and night. I don't know. Some of y'all never been in love. You know what makes a marriage 43 years long? Perseverance. <laughs> and love. Uh, and love. There's some tough times. We've gone through some tough times in there, right, honey? But I stuck it in. I stuck it out. We better move on now. So I know you got to just only have just a little strength. I don't know about you, but, you know, I, I can relate to that. 2013, I got hit with pneumonia that I didn't even know I had. Ended up waking up. Last thing I remember in Columbus, Texas, the next thing I remember was being in uh, CICU and over in Clear Lake. And the time in between was a real struggle. It was one of those things that was like trying to, like John Stephen Aquari, like, I can make this. I'm coming out of this thing. One more step. One more step. I'll find that goal line. I'm coming out of this thing. And what I remember is when I woke up, I, I really couldn't talk because there was a respirator down my throat and all this stuff, but I remember with all that I had saying, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Amen. The greater one is in me. I'm going to find this exit. I'm going to find this exit. I'm going to get out of this thing. Amen. And it's in him. I'm going to look unto Jesus, the author and the perfecter of my faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, despised the shame. Now, hey, he's there at the right hand of the Father. He's making intercession for you and me. He's praying for us to, come on, you can make it. Your biggest fan is Jesus Christ. Amen. He's saying you can make it. Come on, you can make it. I'm with you. I'm not leaving. I'm not leaving. I'm going to be here right with you. 
When everybody else has gone to the cars, when it's raining as hard as it can rain, Jesus is standing right there running beside you. He said, come on, one more step. You can make it. One more step. You can make it. You can make it. Yeah, this Christian life's not always easy. But it's worth it. It's worth it. You know, small in number. Yeah, there might not be that many people that are sold out for Jesus, but it doesn't matter. I'm not running for the crowd anyway. John Stephen Akwari, if he was running for the crowd, he'd have quit because the crowd all went home. If you're running for the crowd, you might as well hang it up. The crowd really don't care about you. They care about the one who crosses first. They care about whatever else, but not about you. If you're struggling. But who was remembered out of that race? Not who came in second. Not who came in third. Not who came in fourth. John Stephen Akwari is remembered for that race in 1968 because he crossed that line and he didn't quit. He didn't give up. He was faithful. I want to tell you something. All of heaven rejoices every time you take another step. You say, I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. A love that goes down in your heart for who you're running for. See, he loved his country. He was there to run for his country, to honor his country. I'm telling you, you're running for Jesus Christ. You're running for heaven's sake. You're running for that. And maybe the crowd down here might not be cheering for you, but I can tell you that that crowd in heaven yes. is shouting you on. Amen. It's not the size of the strength of the body of believers that determines its ministry. The, yeah, we, we might not be a mega church like Christian Center, but that don't matter. I'm going to hang this thing up. I'm going to hang out in this thing, man. When God called me to leave Tulsa, Oklahoma and come to Alvin, Texas, I said, Are, where? <laughs> Are you serious? And I had a little talk with Jesus. And he began to show me what it's all about. I said, then we need to have a serious talk about pastoring because I've seen that job and I don't like it. And he showed me Ephesians 5 about husbands love your wives. Christ loves the church and gave himself for it. He died for the church. And he's saying, that's how a pastor is to be to a church. I'm like, what you talking about? I know the commitment I made to my wife. <laughs> how could I make that to a, a group of people? God says, a shepherd, a pastor, is to love the church just as Christ loves the church and gave himself for it. See, God didn't send me down here to quit. God didn't call you into this place to quit. He's called us together to run a race and to bring forth a harvest. That's what he's called us together to do. You know, and it doesn't matter what the crowd is or where the crowd is. Some pastors, when they look at starting a church, they'll check out the zip codes first and see how much income is in that, that zip code area. You ever checked out 77511 lately? <laughs> I haven't, so I don't know, but I'm just saying, you know. <laughs> Maybe somebody ought to check it out. <laughs> We might need some satellite outreach to help get on through, the, through this thing or something. But, you know, that don't make any difference. We run where he says run. We run with the strength that he gives us to, to run with. And we don't quit. There's no quit in us. John Stephen Akwari didn't come to quit. He came to run. And God didn't call you to quit. Didn't call you to, if it's a nice sunny day, to run. He didn't. Say, if, if the weather's right when you get over there, then, then you can run. No, he said, I'm going to run whether it's raining, whether it's storming, whether it's hailing. I'm going to run this thing. Come on. 
Amen. It don't matter what's happening. You've got to carry your weather with you. <laughs> you know, you, people wake up in the morning, oh, man, it's a bad day outside, so I'm going to have a bad attitude all day. <laughs> man, you're so weak, you let the weather influence you. Come on, suck it up, man. Suck it up and, and come on, be a champion. What does a champion do? A champion makes it through. A winner makes it through. A winner doesn't stop. Quitters never win. Winners never quit. There shouldn't be any quit in us. Oh, but you just don't know what so-and-so said to me. <laughs> Running along and somebody talking trash. Oh. <laughs> and I said, what did you stop for? Well, Billy said that I run funny. <laughs> I don't care what you look like when you're running, just run. <laughs> Didn't call you to go out there and look pretty. <laughs> You know, it said they had a little strength. Didn't say they were just awesome. Said they were faithful. And there's a big difference. When we were traveling around in an evangelistic ministry for about eight years, we sang and each one of us would preach. And, you know, we went out, we just stepped out. We said, okay, God, we're going to trust you. We're not going to say you've got to pay us so much or whatever. I mean, sometimes if we didn't sell records, we wouldn't have enough to buy fuel for that old bus we were driving, you know. We didn't say we had to have this or that. We just trusted God. There was this one weekend where we sang at a Baptist church in Oklahoma City that was about 3,500 people. And they, gave, they blessed us with an offering, and it's pretty good. We sang coming on back in Wichita, Kansas, at a big, it's like the arena, the big sports arena, people there and all kinds of southern gospel singing groups. Of that day were there, buses parked everywhere. You know, everybody that was somebody was there singing we sang real early <laughs> before everybody else did. But we sang there and big crowds, and we didn't get nothing for that. On our way back, tired, on a Sunday evening, we were supposed to stop. We lived in Topeka, Kansas, stop in Linden, Kansas. Anybody know where Linden, Kansas is? Linden, Kansas. We drove up, finally found that little white church set over there. It sits kind of like this, not like that, kind of like that. <laughs> Had a big bell out in front of it. We found out later that that's how they call people still to this day. They rang that bell. This was out in farming country. When we were getting ready to change clothes, after we set the PA system and everything up, we were looking for a place to change. Where's the restroom? They said, out behind the back. And I'm serious. It was outhouses. We changed our clothes, and we went in, and I mean, we sang our gizzards out. Because you can check me. I don't have a gizzard in me, but we sang it out that time. There was about 12 people that showed up. Now, we could have said, no, wait a minute. Man, we sang for about 3,000 just the other day, and we sang for probably maybe 8,000 just earlier today. Twelve people? We better than this. Nah, that's where God opened the door. I mean, we sang. Those people, they loved it. I mean, they were pulling it out of us. When we left, they gave us an offering, which we didn't expect anything, but the offering that they gave us was more than the other places that whole trip had given. Now, if you're going to go out and look, if you're going out to look for something like that, and it's expensive. You've got three households basically going and trying to pay for fuel and everything else. It costs a lot. God was teaching us faith. But if I was going to determine, looking at all the venues that we were going to be singing at and different things, I sure wouldn't have picked that church in Lindley, Kansas to think that they were going to give us anything. Just saying. You know what I'm saying? The outward appearance just doesn't appear that way. 
But when you're obedient, God provides in ways that you never think. She says they had a little strength. People might not expect very much out of like Christian Center, but I do. God does. He says, come on, I'll be your strength. You might have just a little bit of strength, but with a little bit of strength, <laughs> I can move mountains. Man, I can do all kinds of things with just a little bit of strength. Yeah, none of the other churches had any, had any strength at all that even mentioned. But Philadelphia Church had a little strength. I'll tell you what, if you give God what you've got, <laughs> he'll give you everything you don't have and more. They had a little strength. They were faithful. They were faithful to what they had. They were faithful to do what God had called them to do. All they were, they said, I'm, we're going to be faithful. No matter how large, how small, if I can just barely limp and drag myself in here on a Sunday morning, I'm going to come and I'm going to be faithful here. Tell you what, when I was growing up, I don't remember going to a doctor. I'm serious. I don't remember going to a doctor until I was about 16 years old. And at that time, we lived on, a, on Lake Texoma and we'd swim a lot and, and sometimes you get ear infections. And I got an ear infection. I was running uh, a fever so bad. I was hallucinating and stuff. And so finally, I think three or four days later, my dad said, okay, well, might ought to just take him to the doctor. Good thing I didn't die, but anyway, <laughs> God, God wasn't going to let me die there. But I'm just saying, though, if something was wrong, Mama, she just prayed for me. You know, I never had the mumps, the measles, chicken pox. My sisters did. And I was just, uh, my next sister that's closest to me is four years older, so the girls are always bigger, and they got all these different things. And so my, she said, well, I'll just pray over you. And said, maybe you might run just a little fever, and that was it. And she'd tell about different things of, when I fell off a of such and such, cut a big gash in my head, that's, but there, there's nothing wrong with, there's nothing wrong with me. <laughs> and, and just different times in my life uh, that she said that she knew that the devil tried to kill me. You know, before I was born, she was coming down that old mountain there in Oklahoma, and the three, my three sisters was with her, and I was, wasn't born yet. She was pregnant with me, and something happened. She was driving that Studebaker, and that day, that was a pretty good car. And uh, something happened with brakes and uh, ended up rolling that car down that mountain. And, you know, uh, she, went, she did go to the doctor and thought that she might have lost me. And the doctor said, it's, I don't know how in the world that you didn't lose that baby. And she said, well, the Lord got something for him. But she could tell you story after story after story about maybe how the devil tried to take me out. He's still trying to do it. But he can't do it. If I got just a little bit of strength, amen? And he can't do it to you either. Amen. See, greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. If you just have a little bit of strength and you're faithful, God says, come on, man, I'll pull you out of this thing. The devil can't touch you. Yeah, it might be a tough thing, but you can make it through it. God, he sustains us. And so they were faithful to that. You know, they, it, that word, it means it could be in, in your wealth. You know, they might have been a poor group of people. They could have been in low on the social status. They might not have been, you know, the uppity up. You know, they might not have been the low of the low, but, you know, they, they weren't just uh, huge. He said, but because you got a little strength, because you're being faithful, he says, I, I've got a reward for you. And he said, because you kept my word. Hmm, kept my word. They loved Christ, and they were obedient to his word. Kept the word means to guard his word. It means to guard. You know, I want to tell you something. There's some junk going around 
out here as far as what you would say the word. You can turn this on or that on. You can go to YouTube. You can go every, every place. Paul talks about in the last days, he said, uh, people will have itching ears and tossed about with every wind of doctrine, you know, here and there instead of being grounded. You know, we need to keep his word. God's given to us a revelation of, of the, the full gospel of God. This bridal message that I'm telling you this morning, very few people will hear this message preached. You know why? Because it's a message of commitment. You know, it's not a message of convenience, I can tell you that. Very few people would, would, would preach a message like that because, hey, it's not a popular message, but that's okay. You know what? Because I want to be, as the Apostle Paul said, I want to present you spotless before the Lord. Have that opportunity when he calls, when, when pastors are having to present their congregations to the Lord. Man, I'm going to be proud Papa bringing you for, forth. And I want the Lord to say to this church, well done, thou good and faithful servant as a church. Wow, what an honor. Now, we might not be the biggest or whatever, but I want to tell you something. We can, we can sure be faithful, 100% faithful, because that's what God looks at. He doesn't look at the quantity that, that's there. He looks at how faithful you are in doing it. If he gives you a little task, if you're faithful in it, you might say, oh, that's nothing. Well, I, I don't have anything, you know, worth doing. It's just, just that. Why should I even do it? Sometimes he wants to, be, to see if you'll be faithful, if you'll just be in his presence, if you're just faithful to be in his presence before he ever gives you an assignment. The Bible said, or, or the Lord, when I was talking to the Lord about Light Christian Center before I left Tulsa, Oklahoma, and one of the things he said is that, that people, if this is going to be a place where people will be encouraged in heart, united in love, and experiencing the full riches of complete understanding. When you look at that, that's a process. And most of the time when people come to Light Christian Center, they've come out of something or they come through something. And it's a time that they can be encouraged. It's a time where the body of Christ ought to encourage them and, and strengthen them and, and welcome them and, and, and try to see what to do that, to, hurt, to encourage them, being encouraged in heart. Then there's a uniting. Then there's a, a plugging in. There's a, then there's a becoming a part of this, this body of believers. And saying, you know what? Yeah. I think that's what God wants me to come into this thing and be a part of this thing. And then as that happens, as you begin to do that and you get into the stride, then you begin to experience the exciting things that God does. When you see kids running off a bus, running down the hallway, can't wait to get to church. If that don't bless you, my goodness, we ought to you know, talk about blessing your socks off. Yeah, I don't see any barefoot people here this morning. Oh, yeah, a couple of You know, that's exciting. Well, you got you to watch out, man. When that bus pulls up, you better be not by the door. You get trampled down. 67 kids here last Wednesday night came to church, wanted to come to the house of God. <laughs> getting on buses, getting excited about getting here. Amen. You know, or going to outreach and seeing somebody open their door and, man, maybe they had a horrible Friday night <laughs> or whatever. I mean, they're, they're as low as they are. They are. One time, some, our group, I think, went to a house and wasn't the lady about to commit suicide? I know we did on a, a Christmas outreach one time. There's been many times that that's happened. They opened that door right before that they, you know, Tawana's raising her hand saying, yeah, that that happened. Right before they were ready to take their life, somebody knocks on the door, open that door, and here's some crazy Christians out there saying, hey, how you doing? We just want to tell you that God loves you. Really? Who, me? How could God love me? Oh, he does. You're special. Before this world was created, he saw you, and he's got something for you. We want to tell you that. 
that he loves you so much he sent us here today. And then when they share that story about, well, you know, I was just about to end this thing. If that don't excite you, people, if your Christian life is boring, come on, experience the full riches of this thing. Get plugged in. When people start to walk by your desk at, at work and they kind of start looking like this, hey, would you pray for me? Well, absolutely. What's going on? Oh, man. And here we go. It's like, okay, I get back to work. Somebody else come by. Hey, will you pray for me? I remember being on a job site in Tulsa, Oklahoma, building some apartments in uh, Jeans, Oklahoma, and working away, and this guy comes up, and he's looking all around. Are you a Christian? I said, yeah, I'm a Christian. <laughs> Are you? I got a little aggravated, you know. Some of those, I thought everybody in Tulsa, Oklahoma ought to be saved. You know, that's the buckle on the Bible belt. And I got to thinking, there's not a Christian on this whole job site. 300 people walking around there, and I didn't think any of them was saved. But, you know, when people begin to recognize something in you, you have a little strength. Let that light shine that you might shine forth the good works that, that he has, that he's called us to. I'm not going to finish this message this morning because I want to pray for you now, but we've got a lot more to this thing talking about this group of people that God's got something for them. He's got an exit strategy for them. I don't know if you knew that God had an exit strategy for you. Maybe you're not living for that exit strategy. I want to tell you something. I don't do that out of, out of fear. It's just, why would I want to be around here? I don't want to hang around when all of a sudden the Antichrist makes his steps out onto the scene and says he's got an answer for everything. I don't know how much you've read about the end times, but I want to tell you something. It ain't pretty. You think it's bad now. Huh. Some people say, well, you know, I, I got, I'm going to live my life. But when things get real serious, you know, I'm going to get serious with God. Oh, baloney. If you can't stand for Christ now, you'll never stand for him then. Not going to be a pretty picture. But I want to tell you something. That doesn't have to happen. All of us probably have loved ones that aren't living for Christ. What a sad time that's going to be. You know, the Bible talks about that there was 30 minutes of silence in heaven. You know why? Because everyone there in heaven, those that have been the bride as it comes out are looking down at what's going on on this earth and all that is happening and what people are going through. And man, there's, nobody says a word. Silence in heaven for a half hour. All you've got to do is be faithful. You say, well, pastor, I mean, I'm not a pastor. Or I'm not Tim Olaf. I'm not an evangelist. Or, you know, I can't do what so-and-so does and this and that and whatever. You're not supposed to do what they're doing. You're supposed to do what you're supposed to be doing. You know, it says, if you give a cup of cool water in the name of a prophet, you get the prophet's reward. Wow, just, if you give a cup of cool water in Jesus' name, you're gonna, he's going to bless you with this thing. You just be faithful to what he says to do. Can you smile and tell somebody, hey, I'm glad you came to church today? We need people like that. Amen? I hope that if you came to church today, I hope you got greeted at least... 100,000 times. <laughs> One person said, man, I don't know. I was wore out. Everybody's shaking my hand. Oh, man, that makes my heart just so glad. Just be faithful. I remember a time in my life where it seemed pretty low, and I was trying to make some decisions, and it, we didn't have any position in the church at all. You know, I'd been in that evangelistic work, different things, and, and here we're back 
This is one time when we went back to Tulsa that I was working in secular construction again and all this stuff, and I thought, Lord, have you, is it over for me? I mean, man, I, I feel like I've just taken a big, big back step back here. What I found out is he wanted me to get a taste of what it was really like on the front lines once again. You know, can you handle it? You know, a lot of times we, we can talk a big talk while we're in church, but can you walk the walk when you get out those doors? You know. And so I said, so God, what do you want me to do? He said, I want you to be faithful. Okay. I'm going to do that. Uh, you want to elaborate just a little bit? He says, when the doors open, you be there to open the doors at the church. You be there to close the doors when everybody walks out. See if you can do that. Well, okay. I went to the pastor of the church, and I told him, I said, you know, God's place is here. And me and my family, I want to make a commitment to you, and I want to make a commitment to this church. I'm going to be here, and if you need something, you call on me. And, you know, before long, things were just started clicking along. And, oh, it's tough. You know, you work, work a hard day at work, and Wednesday nights are tough sometimes, you know. And uh, I'd be, I was working in construction, and I barely make it to church and try to get a shower so you didn't scare somebody off and just be there and just be there to sit sit in a chair just be there I'm thinking I know this message I could preach this message and God says yeah can you listen to it hello see because sometimes we start to get if we've been in church for a long time we get this spiritual pride that says well I'm just not being fed anymore well excuse me can't you feed yourself Wow, I always wanted to say that. <laughs> I know none of y'all are doing it because you're here this morning, but you know what I'm talking about? Can you imagine? Can you Im How many of you have adult children? Okay. Now, I, I, let me pick on T and Blanc. Can you imagine your oldest daughter coming to you and saying, Mama, you ain't feeding me no more. Well, I ain't fed you since you were a baby. <laughs> Feed me. Feed yourself. <laughs> What's wrong with you? I taught you how to feed yourself. Now feed yourself. No, I'm leaving because you won't feed me. Excuse me. People, come on. You know, we ought to come to here to celebrate and unite together, get fired up because we're getting ready to walk out into the battlefield one, once again, out into the harvest field where we've got to have the, you know, the power of God, the anointing of God to go forth. And this ought to be a halftime. This ought to be a locker room thing to where we get charged up and ready to run out those doors and say, look out, devil, here I come. And that all the demons are going to get nervous. They say, oh, look out. That like Christian Center Church, they're about to dismiss. Look out. Look out. Amen. I can't wait till we come in here and every one of us have to stand because these chairs are full. Would you come to church then if you had to stand up? Oh, yeah, it's easy to say when you're sitting there all comfortable. I've been standing through this thing. You say, Pastor, I'm standing with you. Yeah, well, I don't see you standing while I'm preaching. I'm just saying, would you? Is that what you want to see? If Jesus tarries and he doesn't come, if we're left here for one more year, what do you think we ought to look like in one more year? See, if we're really serious about this thing, if we're really serious about running the race, we're going to fill this place up. We're going to fill it up. You know, we ought to be opening those doors and classrooms and, and where, this, you know, where we can just reach as many as we can. You know, we got this thing... Who is this Jesus coming up this Easter Sunday? Man, this place ought to be packed out with people knowing who Jesus is. I hope you're praying for every one of these people that are making a commitment to this, this cast and this crew for this drama because 
It's going to be a powerful drama this year, and people are going to be saved and set free. Be a part of it. We need your help. We need you. those that aren't in it. We need you out here ushering and helping get people into seats and greeting people out in the parking lot, parking cars, because we don't have any stripes on our grass to park cars, you know, and, and so that people can get in here to hear this. There's so much stuff that we need to do, people. And you know how God wants to do it? He wants to do it through us. He said, but I, Pastor, if you just knew everything I was doing, oh, but you have a little strength, though, don't you? Oh, but you just don't know all the stuff I got going on, but do you have a little strength? I'm not asking for all your strength. I'm not asking for all your time. Do you have just a little time? Do you have just a couple of hours a week? Hmm. Just a little strength? Heavenly Father, help us today not to be hearers of the word, but to be doers also. Lord, I know this is a tough message because it's a message of commitment. It's a message of faithfulness. It requires something of us. It's a whole lot easier to just have a message of convenience and to feel good. But Lord, the real good feeling is when we see the harvest and lives being changed and marriages being mended and families that have been broke apart coming back together and those that are lost being saved and those that are wayward coming back to you. That's the real good feeling when we see those things happening. When tears are rolling down people's face because they found the answer, which is you. And somebody else's tears are running down their face because it's joy because that person has been rescued. Those are the real good feelings. Lord, it takes commitment to do those things. Help us to be a church that's willing to pay the price for those things to happen. Help each one of us as members of this body be supporting ligaments, supporting links that come together. One can put 1,000 to flight, two can put 10,000 to flight. Father, that we would take spiritual initiative to go and do what's necessary. Now, Father, we want to hear your voice today. All throughout this book of Revelation, you began by saying, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. I hear that today. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. Do you hear him today? Do you hear him speaking to you today? Are you faithful? Are you faithful to come? Maybe even if you have to sit through one of these messages, that Pastor Paul. Are you faithful to examine yourself, see some areas in your life that you might need to commit to the Lord and change? Are you faithful when you look over your, your finances and say, well, Lord, I want to give this to you. And let it be my worship. It's an honor to, to give to you and to your kingdom. Father, take and help Light Christian Center meet this need of this harvest that's coming in. Are you faithful to hear him, to hear his voice speak and say, I want you. You don't have to clean up. You don't have to, nothing. You just have to say, yes, Lord. He'll take care of all the rest of it. It'll all happen. You'll go from being that 
wife that had to, with all of the requirements and doing this and doing that, to one that you find yourself all of a sudden just living a life for Jesus and you didn't even realize it took any effort to do it. Why? Because you love him. Lovest thou me more than these? Take care of my lambs. That's what he told Peter. I hear him saying that today. Do you love me? Do you love me? By the way, Philadelphia, the Philadelphia church, the church of brotherly love, when we learn to love him more than we love anything else, when we learn to love our brother and sister that we're serving with, even when they're not lovable, oh, are people like that in church? Absolutely. Iron sharpens iron. It's tough when the work starts happening in the ministry, the work of the ministry. It's tough. But you can do it. All you got to do is say, yes, Lord. Will you do that this morning? Will you say, yes, Lord? Here I am. I'll work today in your vineyard. Jesus told that parable. He said, he said, who do you think is the best here? He said, a, a father had two sons. And he went to the first and he says, son, will you go and work today in my, vine in my vineyard? He said, yeah, Lord. Uh, yeah, father, I I'll go. He said, but in going, he stopped and he didn't go work. The second one said, no, I'm not going to do that. But he says, but he changed his heart and he went out and worked. And he worked. He says, which one of them do you think served the father? The one that said yes and then didn't? Or the one that was hesitant and then said, and then went and did it? You might have been hesitant in your life to make a certain commitment. But you know what? We're, we're living in days that you can't afford to be not active of what God's doing. You might have been hesitant in the past, but God's saying, hey, go work today. Go work today in my vineyard. There's a harvest out there, people. People that you'll come in contact, he's going to open doors that no man can shut. He's going to open doors in your life, in your pathway, at work, at the store, at the gas station, wherever. He's going to open those doors, and you're going to be the only one there. Pastor Paul's not going to be there. Somebody else from the church, they ain't going to be there. It's going to be you. Do you know how to say, hey, man? And when they start saying what all they're going through, can you just say, can I pray for you? You know, God loves you. And he wants to, he wants to help take care of this thing. That's all you got to say. And then just pray. Let the Holy Spirit flow through you and pray. That's it. That's it. All you need is a little strength. Father, walk up and down these aisles visit every seat in this place. Don't let us leave untouched. You walk out of here today, you'll know that you've been face to face with the Lord and you have to answer to Him, you have to give Him an answer. And you might be a little hesitant, that's okay. But the thing is, will you be faithful? Will you be faithful? God's, there's there's a work to do. The harvest is great, but the laborers are few. I don't know what other churches are doing. I, I don't. I really don't. I, I don't have time. It's all I can do to see what God has us to do. But I, I can tell you what he wants, like Christian Center, to do. Be a part of this harvest. Be a part of this harvest. So hear his voice today. If you're here today with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, if you're not sure that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, if you're not sure where you're going to spend eternity, if this were the day that we would enter into eternity, do you know that you've received him? 
Do you know that he's the son of the living God? That he died on the cross for you personally. He rose. He's triumphant today. And he's seated at the right hand of the Father. Do you know that? If you do, raise your hand. You say, I know. I know he is the son of God. He, and he's my Lord. He's my Savior. I know where I'm going to spend eternity. If you know that, just raise your hand. Amen. Now, if you don't know that, if you're not sure, if question marks come into your mind and you're not sure about eternity, while nobody's looking around, will you raise your hand and say, Pastor, will you pray for me? Because I'm not sure. I'm not sure, but I want to be sure. Is there anybody here this morning that you're not sure? Amen. 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 Anybody else? We got the answer, people. We have the answer. It's not the election. It's not the stock market. It's not the gas prices. <laughs> it's Jesus. It's Jesus. Amen. Come on, stand up with me this morning. We're going to go out of here triumphant today. You might feel like you're, oh, John Stephen Aquari, you might be dragging one leg and holding one shoulder. <laughs> you might be bruised and beaten, but hey, you're a winner. Amen? I never saw a good-looking boxer when he, got, when he went 12 rounds. Amen? Eyes all swollen shut and everything. You might look like that, but you're a winner. <laughs> you might not be pretty to look at, <laughs> but you're a winner. Come on now. Amen. I'm only serious. Father, right now, I thank you for your blessing. Lord, you said you would open doors that no man could shut. You would close doors that no man could open. Close the doors that Satan's trying to open of deception and luring. Father, open doors of opportunity that we can serve you, that we can load up heaven and unload hell. Father, we, we love you today. Thank you for this opportunity to worship you here at Light Christian Center. Bless every person that came here today, Father. Bless them back abundantly for the time that they've invested to come here today. Father, I thank you for it in advance now. Come on, everybody give the Lord a praise offering this morning. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen.